What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, one tangible thing the city could do for black Chicagoans doing Black History Month, go on ahead and make progress on reparations. Mayor Brandon Johnson set aside money in this year's budget specifically for a new reparations subcommittee, but they haven't even met yet. Meanwhile, nearby Evanston's reparations program has been running for the past couple years. Former Evanston Alderperson Robin Ruth Simmons will be in the Austin neighborhood this weekend talking about reparations, so we're revisiting our conversation with her from the summer to see what Chicago can learn. It's Tuesday, February 20th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Robin Ruth Simmons is the founder of First Repair and a former Evanston Alder person. Welcome to CityCast Chicago. Thank you. I am happy to be here with you today. We're excited to have you. For our CityCast listeners, let's set the stage and define what we're talking about here. What are reparations, essentially? Well, in this context, I am talking about reparations for the Black communities. Not only the crimes of the transatlantic slave trade, but its vestiges, its legacies, anti-Black policies and laws. So we're looking to repair them in tangible ways. And obviously, when we're talking about something as... uh, I mean, monumental is the transatlantic slave trade. This is something that for centuries has set up the black people's position in this country, has robbed them of humanity, family and and wealth and economic uh, stature in this country. While the wealth of this nation has largely been built on the the back uh, of black folks, when we're looking in practical terms of reparations, what are people largely asking for? Because it comes in in many sort of uh, different shapes. Reparations generally is discussed in the form of some sort of a check, a cash payment. But when you go into black communities, Evanston being uh, the first to pass a funded reparations initiative, the black community want full repair, not just cash, but also access to housing, business, education, uh, health, uh, trauma-informed care, Uh, Some black folks want to repatriate, whether that means, you know, returning to West Africa or being able to have access to it and learn. Um, There are five components to full repair under international law standards. And the first of those is cessation or guarantee of non-repetition, which means we need to start with policy change, policy. Right. How can we make reparations when we still live in a country that largely is governed in in, in an anti-black way? 
That is exactly right. And so although we've had some important laws, civil rights and human rights and fair housing laws passed in the 1960s, we still have anti-Black racism baked into our current public policy locally, statewide and federally. And so that's the first component of repair. Compensation and restitution we hear about all the time, some form of a check, a grant, something that is measurable and tangible is very important. But there's also uh, satisfaction. And that's an area where we're seeing great milestones. That's going to be acknowledgments, apologies, monuments, holidays. For example, Juneteenth passing as a federal holiday is a form of reparations, education, and so on. Um, Satisfaction is an area that we are seeing some milestones. But then there's also rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. looking at our health and wellness. We experience trauma every day just as Black people living in America. Um, and we also have inherited trauma from our ancestors and our elders through transgenerational epigenetics. So we're looking at full repair, and that could come in the form of, in Evanston, started with $25,000 direct benefits to build wealth through housing. It's expanded to cash. Other communities are looking at community benefits for reparations, uh, housing opportunities and education and so on. But the remedies are to be prescribed by the black communities pursuing uh, racial justice and reparations. And obviously this is really uh, a monumental task too huge for any one town or municipality to sort of tackle in any one cycle. But can you tell me, how did you arrive at the program in Evanston and how does it work? So by consensus, we started with housing because housing is a predeterminant for most all things livability wise. Um, It is also the most likely path to building wealth for any family. But second to it being the consensus of the feedback from the Black community, our harm report, our case for reparations, is rooted in zoning laws and housing policies that were enforced by the city of Evanston. So that supports the community's feedback on housing. And thirdly, and really most importantly, so that we can have a implemented, dispersed, real reparations program and not just ceremonial, we had to have a legal framework. So our remedy is in direct correlation with the harm. That allows us to have strength against any legal challenges which we have received from even outside of our community and um, implement our reparations program. It sounds like throughout your surveys, this is what people wanted. It addressed the critical harm in the community. It was practical, legal to do. How does one become eligible for the program and how is the money paid out to them? There was a law in Evanston in force between 1919 and 1969 that was anti-Black. It was a zoning law that really uh, stripped away wealth and opportunities from Black families um, through down zoning and all kinds of other practices that were anti-Black in the historically Black part of town. Um, So everyone Black in Evanston between 1919 and 1969 was harmed by the city of Evanston and therefore their direct descendants were harmed. So that's how you qualify. You lived in Evanston and were Black between those 50 years or you're a direct descendant. Like in my case, I'm a direct descendant. The benefit is dispersed um, in a few ways. You can use it for a down payment for a purchase of a home. 
You can use it to pay down a mortgage balance, principal balance, or however you choose to uh, direct your funds. You can use it to make improvements and repairs of any type to a home that you own already. And that is the option that has been selected most in our city. And you can pass it down. And so we do have uh, some residents that have received the benefit and then passed their uh, benefit to a child um, instead of using it themselves. And most recently, we included the option to take a direct cash benefit. Is the direct cash benefit the exact same amount and can it only be used towards housing in the same ways? It is the exact same amount and it is um, an understanding that it, it, it is used for wealth building activity, uh, but we don't we don't check that. So we um, hope that residents are using it in a in a way that builds well, uh, but there is no mandate. So it sounds like the restrictions were a little tighter when this was the the initial uh, version of this came out back in 2019, that it had to be used and organized through the city for housing purposes. But now it sounds like it, it's being dispersed in a way where people can use it in the ways that would most benefit them, but with the hope that it is helping them to sort of secure wealth. Um, you know, what makes this different than a housing grant? How, what makes this reparations? Well, what makes it reparations, it is a direct response with an acknowledgement of harm and an apology and a attempt to repair. It's reparations because it's set aside specifically for the Black community. And in most all cases, the beneficiaries of the reparations have layered this on with the other types of housing programs that you have mentioned. But it is reparations because it is a uh, tangible repair to a specific harm to a targeted community, the Black community. And in that way, it's not equity. It's not a housing program. It is reparations. Mm -hmm. What do you say to critics who say it either doesn't go far enough or it may um, ultimately, you know, limit opportunities to gain larger uh, access to reparations through statewide or federal initiatives? Well, those that say it doesn't go far enough, like we're on the same team and this is not a settlement. We aren't done. The work is only beginning. In 2019, there were no reparations. There were no budgets. There were no legislation. We have to start somewhere and build on our milestones and move forward with momentum. And we're doing that. We're seeing it. Evanston was the only one in 2019. There's about 112 cities, states, and uh, localities that have been inspired and moved forward. So we're looking for state, federal, institutional reparations as well. And those that say that uh, local reparations stands in the way or jeopardizes a federal bill, um, I completely disagree with that. If you look at any of our um, transformative federal policy, it started hyper-locally usually with a grassroots effort, some momentum happening in the state level, municipal law, and so on. You look at school desegregation and fair housing and marriage equality and ban the box, even cannabis now being discussed in Congress started as a state law. In 2019, H.R. 40, the federal bill for reparations that has languished in Congress, um, had 16 co-sponsors. Our last Congress ended with 119 co-sponsors and yes votes in the House, a Senate companion bill, 
hundreds of ally-led institutions signing a letter um, making a demand for President Biden to sign an executive order for reparations. And so just the opposite. We have seen more support and progress towards reparations since the local reparations movement launched in 2019, getting us towards that repair. We're seeing foundations now provide resources to professionalize the movement and get local initiatives um, going and even advocate for a federal bill. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Speaking of how this $10 million program is being paid for, it'll largely come from cannabis and real estate transfer tax revenues, which means it's ongoing, not one time. But when we when we look into the numbers, the initial reparations ordinance was passed in 2019. Since then, there have been hundreds of applicants, but I believe just over like 16 payouts. Is that a a win in your eyes? Is that a success? And is there any way to speed this up? Yeah, it's a win because we've had progress where we didn't have a dollar committed in 2019. We have 20 million now. So it's not 10, it's 20 while we look for additional revenue sources. So initially it was cannabis sales tax. Additionally, now because of our commitment to this work, it's also real estate transfer taxes. There were 16 uh, dispersed for a very long time. That number is jumping up over time because we have now learned how to um, make some staff adjustments. We have identified full-time staff and how we can disperse this where before we, you know, th- there was no blueprint. And so we had challenges with disbursement and um, taxation, wanted to be sure that we weren't. Is, is the money taxed or is it no strings attached? Yeah, there's no strings attached, but those were things that we had to um, get legal memos from. So we didn't want to jump out and begin dispersing. And then we have residents losing important life-saving benefits like housing and housing vouchers and SNAP benefits and Medicaid and so on. And so we had to learn along the way. And so to the critics, I say a better use of your time is, you know, helping the movement uh, with all the roadblocks ahead of us, helping with the judicial barriers um, in Congress, helping um, with legal memos and understanding taxation, helping to get more funds to deliver more repair, finding more allies, inviting more scholarship and so on. That is a better use of time um, than, than, than criticizing, in my opinion. 
after spearheading this work during your first time as an older person, you chose to move out of office and do reparations work full time. Why? Well, there is a need and a demand, and we have great momentum right now, more so than we've ever seen in the history of the reparations movement. I came to the work only in 2019. My work evolved to reparations after 20 years of public service and fighting for improving the Black experience. I didn't know that I was fighting for reparations until February of 2019. And when we passed in in Evanston, there was so much hope nationwide. There was so much opportunity in my own city to build on, really apply pressure, like full throttle on our efforts that we are seeing right now. And it was my decision that I could best serve my people and the movement uh, by singularly focusing on reparations and not potholes and trash pickup day and all the other important things that a council person is responsible for. Do you feel like your side of the fence is moving smoother, having stepped out of a direct political office and, and into this work? And, and is, was it something about that process that you felt was just too cumbersome or, uh, you know, maybe didn't get to, to the root of this issue often enough? Well, no, I mean, the our process was actually um, no one was paying attention to us in Evanston when when I led the passing with so many other of my um, collaborators here in town. It wasn't newsworthy until it passed and folks didn't believe it would happen. Folks in town didn't even apply because they didn't think that there would ever be a benefit dispersed. And they do have regrets now. We hear from them all I've the time. I've seen some of the documentaries. I've, I've seen some of the news coverage of people who said, ain't no way in hell right. this is going to happen. <laughs> right. And so um, I'll say that there is a political process. There is a political timeline. Now that it's so public, there's more people to block and fight and hate and, you know, corrupt. Uh, so we had the privilege of working very quietly and peacefully in Evanston. And now, uh, you know, that has changed. But you have folks that just either don't believe and some folks that want reparations and maybe are just scared. I, I can't really get in the minds of folks why they would be in opposition, especially our own folks. Um, but that is a path that I would recommend other communities take um, building consensus. Public education must happen ongoing so folks understand that reparations is not novel. There's a long history of Black folks fighting for liberation and repair and that there are models to consider. There's been reparations paid to Japanese community for internment, to Holocaust um, survivors and descendants and so on. And there's a whole list of other ways reparations have been paid, just not to the Black community. Robin Ruth Simmons is the founder of First Repair. Robin, thank you for something by CityCast. Of course, thank you. Simmons and others will be speaking about reparations at a Black History Month celebration Saturday at the Karen Center for the Arts. You can check the link in the show notes for more details. Saturday's event is one of the many that you can find on our new events page from an early bird dance night in Logan to a panel on Chicago style barbecue. Trust us, there is something for you and your friends. You can find it at chicago.citycast.fm slash events. Hey, and if you also want a curated set of events in your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday, subscribe to our daily newsletter. Hey, Chicago, while you're there. 
Of course, I got some good news for you. The Rooted and Radical Youth Poetry Festival and Competition is running all of February and March with shows at the Beverly Arts Center, Haymarket House in Uptown. The finals will be held at the end of the festival at the Ramova Theater in Bridgeport. You can also check out the show notes for a link. As always, we appreciate you for listening, reading, DMing us. We appreciate everybody who's become a member. And of course, we appreciate you for being here bright and early tomorrow. We're going to talk to you then. Peace.